Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where we keep our shampoo in the fridge and we keep our good sports guys on the team, even when they break clearly stated rules or laws. Book number 35, Out of Control. Will Aaron Dallas destroy Elizabeth and Jeffrey's happiness? Hi, welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and with me today is the wonderful Samuel Brandt. Sam is a PhD candidate in geography at UCLA, and so obviously I wanted to have him on to talk about book number 35, Out of Control, and your expert analysis will be greatly appreciated here today, Sam. It's my pleasure to contribute, said analysis. (laughs) Well, so Out of Control, uh, as Sam referenced in the subtitle, is nominally a book about Aaron Dallas. But I gotta put in an early warning. I'm not so sure that this book is really about Aaron Dallas. To me, this book is the Tofu Glow book. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that's that's the lasting impression, because that's that's the novel feature of this book. And that's where the laughs come from, too. Yeah. And the, so last week in the bonus episode, we talked about some reviews of the previous book. For the first time, there actually were Amazon reviews of Out of Control. And both of them were like, this is the Tofu Glow book. This is my favorite book because it's about Tofu Glow. Um, there is so much to talk about. But we will, as is our want, start out by talking about the cover, which features three people. We've got Blonde Boy, Blonde Girl and Brunette Boy. And this is actually much more action-packed cover than we usually have. And you would think from this cover that the story would be about a love triangle, but it's actually mostly about two couples. It's about a hate triangle. No, it's like, it's not a hate triangle either. It's like a, but it is like a complicated relationship, dynamic trust triangle. What do you think of that? Yes. And trust triangle? You're saying it's a trust square because there's another girl. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, in the end, the the plot and the resolution is is about that very issue of trust. Yeah, it's um, really But so Heather, much. Heather is very much a part of that. Yeah, so Heather, well, gladiators don't know who Heather is because Heather is a new character in this book, unless you happen to remember this book from when you read it, whenever you read it. But we'll get to Heather. Heather is not pictured. Instead, it's just three people. Jeffrey French, Elizabeth Wakefield's newish boyfriend from Oregon, much like you, Sam. Indeed. And are you from a tree farm? Because Jeffrey is famously from a tree farm in Oregon. I'm not from a tree farm, but I'm familiar with tree farms. We, uh, growing up, sometimes would go out and cut down Christmas tree there and and haul it home Christmas vacation style, although we never got stuck under any trucks, thankfully. Well, the Jeffrey French has recently moved from Sweet Valley from a farm much like the farm where you probably bought your Christmas tree every year. Although it is fiction, so. Then in the middle, actually sort of obscured by Jeffrey, is a very concerned-looking Elizabeth Wakefield. And she is looking at Aaron Dallas. Aaron Dallas, the soccer star. Yes. And best friends with Jeffrey French. And, like, they knew each other from soccer camp or something. Special bond. In this book, Jeffrey quickly shows himself to be, like, Aaron's, one of Aaron's only remaining friends or supporters. Well, people like Aaron because he's, like, a popular soccer star. But in terms of, like, his good buddies, he doesn't have a lot of them. And Jeffrey is is a good friend by defending him, by 
standing by him. On and off the field, yeah. What we're describing is these three people on the cover, but what we're leaving out is the action that is happening on the cover, which is that Aaron Dallas is angrily grabbing Jeffrey French's sleeve. And that's why Elizabeth looks so concerned. He, he, he's grabbing his lapel, according to the... Well, I'm looking at your cover upside down, so I'm... Okay, I'm yeah, he, oh, he's... I'm trying to get mine up. It looks like... Oh. So, so Jeffrey's wearing a, a white button-up. That's actually super awkward. Do you think he has... Aaron has, like, his fingers in Jeffrey's buttons? He's, like... It seems like it's possible. Yes, because that's how aggression works. You, you <laughs> want to grab onto something, so he's grabbing onto the... <laughs> Probably the second or third button down. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at the idea that that's how aggression works. It, that's how aggression works. Well, you gotta aggression, put your you're not you're not just gonna lightly put your your knuckles on there. You're, okay. you're gonna grab onto him and let you know and that, that is kind of what it looks like. Known. Like he's just sort of lightly rested his fist on a very surprised Jeffrey's chest, like. But that can't possibly be it. So he's got to be grabbing onto something. So this is an, a moment that doesn't really take place, possibly, until the end of the book. So we need to get there. Oh my gosh, this book was so thick with incident. It was so rich. There was so much subtext and so many emotions. And that's my opinion as someone who's read many of these books. But Sam, I'm assuming that this was your first Sweet Valley High novel. Am I correct in that? Maiden Voyage. <laughs> Um, were you, had you ever heard of Sweet Valley before this? From you. But otherwise, I, I don't think I would have. Much as I alluded to this book, like, being the Tofu Glow book, that's where the the story starts, is with Tofu Glow. So do you think we should start talking about it from there, or should we start with the Aaron Dallas plotline, since that's nominally what the book is about? I mean, do we talk about the plotline separately, or do we talk about the them intertwine? Because I, I think... The plot lines don't intersect all all that no, much. No, they just sort of like kiss, in yeah. it, but in a cool way. In a cool way. Um, well, I guess let's start by talking about Aaron. Mm -hmm. um, in the last book, somebody stepped on Aaron's foot, and he got really mad. And it's like, man, Aaron is really blowing up lately. His temper is so short. And at the very beginning of this book, Elizabeth is watching her new boyfriend Jeffrey playing soccer with the soccer team uh, on the field. And Sweet Valley's team is apparently doing really great. There's going to be a big game. Against Big Mesa. Against Big, big Mesa. Big game, Big Mesa. <laughs> and the only rivals, I guess, that Sweet Valley seems to have, Big Mesa. I wonder why it's not Mesa Grande. You Whatever. Never, you never know. You never know. I mean, so, why is it not Valle Dulce? Why indeed. So Elizabeth is at the soccer game watching them play. And... What's like Aaron gets like Aaron gets foul like oh somebody named Tony Esteban who is also like this is one of these so th I guess this is one of these sports books this is one of these there's a handful of these books that are like suddenly about sports and about boys playing sports specifically um, there was one before about like Roger Barrett and there was a big race there was one about Ken Matthews and there's a big football game they're spaced apart pretty well but this is Aaron Dallas and the soccer team mm -hmm. that's like that's the plot that we're following do, do they have other ones where the drama is about a band concert yes okay good, good. but not the high school band I don't know if Sweet Valley even has a high school band. Or do any of the kids like they have a rock band. rebel and start a rock band okay yeah yeah there's a rock band the droids from the very beginning Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. I'm having a hard time even knowing where to start. Tony Esteban is the name of a guy who, he says that the, like, in, they're just practicing, and he's like, it's out on Dallas. 
Aaron like flips his shit. Was it, was that, I think it was in a practice, actually. Yeah, it was just a practice. They're on the same team. Yes, no, I think Aaron got fouled, and he did not take to that too kindly, and he retaliated. It was like, you're a liar. Yes, of a, <laughs> of a verbal and physical nature, although, and as we would expect these books, without profanity, which is not exactly realistic, but uh, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll leave that aside. Um, and, and this incident serves as a plot device to illustrate... Aaron's short temper. And it also illustrates uh, Jeffrey French's defense of Aaron because he kind of comes and he pulls Tony and Aaron apart. And there's a guy named Coach Horner, who's the soccer coach. He and Aaron and Jeffrey kind of like all like walk off together. And Elizabeth is watching all this and she's just really thinking like, God, what is wrong with Aaron? And why does Jeffrey keep defending him? I don't understand this at all. And so she... At, like, challenges Jeffrey on this a little bit. Like, boy, that was really crazy of Aaron to freak out like that. And Jeffrey really downplays it. Like, it's no big deal. He got fouled. He was mad. And he's going through some stuff. Yeah. So Aaron's parents are getting a divorce. Aaron just found out. And Jeffrey's like, you've got to understand, Elizabeth. He's in a bad place. I would think that Elizabeth would be like, oh, wow, yeah. But she's not really. She's kind of like, just because he's going through something rough doesn't give him a right to take it out on, a, on other people. She... There's there's a moment in there she realizes there's a, a deeper story. Yeah, I guess you're right. I it's, guess you're it's right. about more than just the game. That's a plant for later. So the first thing that happens is that Elizabeth finds out that like Aaron found out that she and Jeffrey were going to the movies and has invited his girlfriend Heather along. So this is, brings up the character of Heather, who's a brand new character for us in the Sweet Valley universe. And Heather is someone that Elizabeth does not take too kindly to, or is. is Skeptical of her. Yeah. What did you think of Heather initially? Initially, I think that, well, you could say Elizabeth dismissed her too easily. I mean, her her issue was that it took Heather to use baby talk. Yeah. Okay. So to calm to calm Aaron down, but Heather is younger. She's yeah, a Heather's sophomore. Yeah, a sophomore. Everybody else That's... we're talking about, they're all juniors. It's where they refer to her once as the younger girl, as if she's so much younger than than just one year. Yeah, the the years difference, especially sophomore to junior, seems to be a huge deal in, uh, in at Sweet Valley High. I have a passage from early on in the book that I think really encapsulates Elizabeth's feeling towards mm-hmm. Aaron, what's going on, and the whole situation. So, if I may, you may. It would be one thing if it had only hurt him. But almost everyone at Sweet Valley High had been affected by his temper recently, and he seemed to expect sympathy no matter what he had done. Elizabeth Wickfield used to like Aaron a lot, but her sympathy was running out now. She watched her boyfriend and Aaron as they disappeared through the locker room door. You don't know how lucky you are, she muttered. Huh? That's Enid. Elizabeth turned to Enid and gave her an apologetic smile. Sorry, I'm just being grumpy. She nodded in the direction of the gym. Jeffrey spends a lot of time with Aaron, that's all. And half the time now, I don't think Aaron deserves a friend like him. I did get a little hung up when I read this the first time on You Don't Know How Lucky You Are. It's just like, because you get to go to the boys' locker room? Or, or, like, I didn't know what she was talking about, but then she goes on to explain it. So that's Elizabeth's mindset. And then when she finds out that suddenly she's, her date with Jeffrey is turning into a double date with these two people, she actually has the thought, like, Ugh, I have to spend my evening with two people I don't really like. Yeah. There's no way for you to know this, but it I, it struck me as really kind of closed-minded and hard-hearted of Elizabeth to just be, like, super dismissive of Heather. But a funny thing happens that I think would be annoying to anybody, which is while they're at this movie, which is, like, really romantic, 
Heather keeps talking. <laughs> you know? She keeps on, like, saying, oh, God, I love this. And she's talking about their clothes a lot, which Elizabeth is also very dismissive of. Like, geez, this girl won't talk about anything except for fashion. And uh, talking about it at times that are particularly inter er, um, inconvenient, given Elizabeth's proximity to Jeffrey in the cinema. Oh, yeah. That also was sort of subtextual, though. Like, Elizabeth was like, boy, this girl picks the worst time to bring it up. And I was like, is she saying because she's, like, cozying up with Jeffrey? A, like, romantic moment? The book won't go as far as to, like, make that explicit. But I thought that was in the subtext as well. I, I think we can infer that pretty clearly. <laughs> I mean, whether it's a, that she was put off by being on a double date with two people that she didn't know very well, or whether it's simply, no, I just want it with me and him tonight. Like, yeah, which That's, she definitely did. Yeah. But then, after the movie, like, Heather finally shuts up. Elizabeth is, like, doesn't like Heather. Like, this, this is decided. And they go... Boring. To, well, yeah, it's just, like, she thinks she's so vapid, and she's only into fashion, and she talks during movies, and just, like, why is she dating Aaron? Also, I think I think that's a big mark against Heather, is just, like, Aaron's this jerk. Heather doesn't see it. What do they see in each other? She's very, like, dismissive of the whole thing. So they go to Casey's. Yeah. Oh, and then Heather orders a Diet Coke, and she doesn't order any food. And Elizabeth clocks that right away and is like... She's always on a diet. Mm, I see. She's probably trying to fit into all of her fashions that she's so obsessed with. Oh, she thought Heather was overdressed for the movies. It's just like the list goes on and on. She's a very observant gal, Elizabeth. She is. To, to her benefit and detriment. In this case, both of those things for sure in this book. So this is where um, Heather really, really pushes Elizabeth over the edge of like, oh, I hate this girl. So we mentioned Tony Esteban earlier and how Aaron was like, you lied about call uh, like saying that I was out when I wasn't. Which, I mean, you're a soccer fan. That seems like the most minor of <laughs> thing. It happens in every game. Like, you have to deal with being having a call that you don't agree with. Yeah, that is that is part of the game. And it's clearly a sign that Aaron is getting upset at the most minor of infractions. Yeah. Also, I mean, I know it's just a practice, but, like, I guess there was no referee. It seems sort of dubious that the guy who is going up against Aaron is the one who gets to say that it, that it was an out. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the author's clearly just in inventing an excuse <laughs> <laughs> and is not doing a terrible amount of research into the type of situations <laughs> that would actually provoke such an altercation. <laughs> so Tony shows up at Casey's and there's like a conversation or, or I don't know if it's Tony specifically, but like some other soccer guys. And a, a group of them. Jeffrey and Aaron go talk to them and um, Which, Heather is really trying to, like, make nice with Elizabeth, but she's talking about fashion and, and stuff. And Elizabeth was sad because normally she would go talk to the other boys with, with Jeffrey, but she's like, well, I have to do the ladylike thing and keep Heather entertained. Yeah, and she's like, oh, God, why do I have to stay at this table with Heather? I hate Heather. It's all very un-Elizabeth. Except, I mean, I guess Elizabeth can be kind of judgy sometimes, and she's judgy now. So to paint the full picture of this scene and what Heather does... I am going to, to go ahead and, and read again. So basically, they have overheard Aaron and Jeffrey get into like a voices raised kind of argument with some other boys about Tony being a liar. A quarrel. A quarrel, <laughs> indeed. Um, and they're walking back to the table and Aaron is fuming and Jeffrey's like trying to talk him down. 
Still glaring angrily, Aaron allowed Jeffrey to lead him away. When the two boys rejoined Elizabeth and Heather, he was still shaking. He's such a liar, he muttered, his clenched fist pressed onto the table. His knuckles were white as he tightened his fist. Elizabeth tried to catch Jeffrey's eye, but he was too busy trying to smooth over the incident. It was hard to see, that's all. A bad angle. Forget about it, Aaron. At that point, Heather reached across the table and started to run her forefinger up and down Aaron's arm. <laughs> God, let's see if I can do this. I'm embarrassed just thinking about doing this. <clears throat> Is Aaron angry about something? She cooed, her voice as cuddly cute as a cartoon baby's. Don't be grumpy. Oh, I'm just mad, Aaron grumbled. But Heather doesn't want Aaron to be mad. Elizabeth felt the beginnings of a blush heat her face as she witnessed this new facet of Heather and Aaron's relationship. It was acutely embarrassing to her to listen to anyone baby talking, unless it was a joke. And this was obviously no joke. Heather was pouting and coaxing Aaron out of his bad mood. Soon, Heather had Aaron completely over his irrational rage. But Elizabeth was shocked. The two of them were like a couple of kindergartners, she thought in amazement. They threw temper tantrums and talked baby talk. Jeffrey, I think it's getting kind of late, she said, finally pulling herself together. She met his eye and wordlessly communicated how urgently she wanted to leave. You're right, he agreed, obviously a little embarrassed himself. He took out his wallet and placed a couple of bills on the table to cover their share of the check, and he and Elizabeth stood up. Bye-bye, Heather said, her eyes still on Aaron. <laughs> so they leave, and it's just like, oh, God, you could picture it. And I just, I actually thought this was such a great, like, writing flourish, like, describing the sort of sinking feeling. That that sentence with, with the word blush in it. Yeah. How she, yeah. How she felt that on her face. Yes. Uh, how, how do you feel an oncoming blush? Is it not something that's instantaneous? Oh, well, <laughs> we're going to break it down now. That book is not going to stand up to this level of scrutiny. But I do think that, no, that sense of, like, so you're heating up, and it's like she's witnessing a new facet of their relationship is just like, oh, shit. You can picture it sort of being like the floor is opening up and like, please, please swallow me, world. This is too embarrassing for words. She, she's embarrassed, humbled, and startled at the same time while also maintaining a modicum of her own superiority over... Very well said. She's definitely Heather. feeling superior. Um, and I really want to keep talking about the baby talk angle and the Heather part of it all. So let's introduce the B story, which, as we said, is is kind of an even. It's like two two A stories in this book. When you say A story, you mean like A is in a grade? <laughs> yes. Like A list, B list. Exactly. I mean, I think the the tofu glow story is is definitely an A plus story. Okay, so imagine my surprise in t the year 2020, returning to this book that I read maybe 10 years ago the last time, and with a whole new like parcel of knowledge about the idea of multi level marketing. And here we have uh, Jessica embroiled in a multi-level marketing scheme. Um, in the last book, they planted this idea that, that Jessica was feeling really poor. She wanted to do something to have more money. Now she's got this get-rich-quick scheme. She is going to be a tofu glow girl. Have you heard of the podcast The Dream? Not to say Okay, no. it's an audio medium, so you're going to need to <laughs> say it out loud. Sam shook his head, no. So, listeners, gladiators, if you haven't listened to The Dream, 
it's really interesting. Don't listen to it if you want to like really hold on to your feelings that various kinds of like multi-level marketing things like are like a really great idea. I imagine that people listening to the show probably are involved in those things and have their own businesses. So I want to tread lightly here because I don't want to like stomp, stomp on anybody's dreams myself. So let's just stick to talking about Tofu Glow. But the dream is very interesting. If you're curious at all about the history of like women's self-run businesses going back to like Avon and Tupperware to a thing that still happens now with like LuLaRoe leggings or what did you, Herbalife, somebody was telling yeah. me, but like all those things. So cosmetics, Mary Kay cosmetics. Mary Kay, yeah. So many, so many things. Tofu Glow, though, is unlike any of those things in that it is called Tofu Glow, which is the first red flag. Like, what the, what the heck? Although I remember the first time I read this book thinking that it was funny how dismissive the book was of the whole concept of like <laughs> natural, healthy products. Like, Jessica... So one of the first things that Jessica does is she throws a party where that just like every multi-level marketing thing that you do, you throw a party to get people interested. And so it describes her like buying healthy food, like carob covered nuts and soy chips for for the party. I feel like the book is almost kind of um, dragging health food as a concept. Did that come across? What do you mean? What do you mean by dragging health food as a concept? I mean like a long, like like throwing shade, like negative, like trying to have a whole big long joke on the very concept of natural foods and like health food as a as a lifestyle. Not just health food, but I think it's a it's a jab at um, California wellness lifestyle. Period. Oh, good point. That's a very good point. It's an interesting commentary. Yeah, although the fellow Californians in Sweet Valley also seem dubious of the of the thing of the whole thing but Jessica's really excited it's going to be a great new thing for her Jessica says that it's going to make her a millionaire this tofu glow thing she's telling Elizabeth that and Elizabeth laughs like it's going to do what now don't laugh Jessica said the expression in her blue green eyes serious as she pushed herself up from the floor it's really great tons of tofu glow girls make thousands of dollars selling the stuff She tossed her brochure into Elizabeth's lap and then sat down on her bed, pulling Prince Albert toward her. Like, hard stop. Prince Albert, you guys, is a Labrador again in this book. I kid you not. This dog was introduced two books ago, Sam, as a Labrador. Then he was a golden retriever in the last book. And now he's a Labrador again. (laughs) So somebody did not get the memo. What kind of dog is Prince Albert? This has been Prince Albert Watch 2020. Tofu Glow is a line of beauty and health products made from soybeans, she continued as she tickled Prince Albert's stomach. It's totally natural and people go crazy for it. I bet I can sell 137 tons of the stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes on and she talks about the different products. Here, I want, I know gladiators want to know about these products. So, after a skeptical glance at her twin, Elizabeth turned her full attention to the Tofu Glow brochure. There were testimonials from Tofu Glow girls on how much money they made, and there were endorsements from satisfied customers. One woman claimed that Soya Soft Moisturizer had made all her wrinkles disappear, and a Tofu Glow girl from San Diego said she was putting her son through college on her sales of tofu shampoo alone. The brochure made it sound as though selling the products and making lots of money were easy. But Elizabeth, a reporter for the Oracle, the school newspaper at Sweet Valley High, knew enough to be suspicious of anything that sounded so simple. 
her reporter's instinct was on red alert instantly. Glowing red alert. <laughs> oh my gosh, and I didn't realize how hard it was to say tofu glow, like, really fast, let alone tofu glow girl. Does not roll off the tongue. Try it. You go, tofu glow girl. Oh, very well done. Very well done. Way to show me up, Sam. Um, maybe you should talk about tofu glow girls. Tofu glow girls. It it gives you a, this picture of a of a team like uh, like the Pan Am girls or something like mm-hmm. that, all in uniforms. I, I imagine these flowing deep green skirts. Sure, like broomstick skirts. Yeah, or... broomstick skirts and like doing be- like doing some kind beads. of dance. Yeah, long hair, flowers in their hair, maybe. Why would you put the word tofu in the name of your company when it's a beauty company? Like, I get that they're all products that are, like, soy-based products, and that doesn't seem so weird to me, and that tofu is also made from soy, but it seems so strange to me. Glow is great. Tofu, the tofu part I don't get so much. You would have to think about what was going on in the 80s, and and if tofu represented (laughs) the height of health. I really appreciate how seriously you are considering this question of mine. (laughs) No, because it, it has a different, it would have a different meaning today than it did in the 80s. I guess, well, especially, yeah, tofu in the 80s. I mean, and people are grossed out. The people, what people say when Jessica first brings up tofu glow is... Ew. Ew. They say gross. That sounds gross. And it do, actually does start to get pretty gross when they start to talk about what is in the products. <laughs> I'm going to read this list. Uh... She think, so oh, Jessica orders these products. They come in like boxes and boxes and boxes. She spent $150 in 1986 money or 87, whenever this is, $150. She had to borrow 50 from Elizabeth who fucking gave it to her. Like, give me a break. Just be a pushover. Um, and Heather, she thinks Heather's bad. Then she's like, but it's no problem. I'm going to make three times that back when I sell it all. All of it arrives, and it's just boxes and boxes of this stuff. She puts it in her room. She opens it up. She's really excited about it. The packaging is really nice, and she reads what's in it. Um, The products are called, like, Tofu Shampoo, Tofu Clean, Soya Soft, Soya Life Dietary Supplements. And she is doing a little bit of practicing of her pitch. I think this could really be it this time, Liz. Know what I mean? She swung her legs around and rolled off the bed. Grabbing the nearest box, she pulled out a jar of Soya Soft Moisturizing Cream. Soya Soft Cream is a revolution in skincare, she read, her voice assuming a dignified professional tone. Its totally natural ingredients work in harmony to hydrate, tone, and rejuvenate the skin. Will it make me look years younger? Elizabeth asked. Jessica turned the jar over. Are you kidding? You'll be 15 again. <laughs> Which I like that joke. So that was the only reason why I wanted to read that. Okay, so she reads the starts reading the ingredients. Active ingredients, it says. Deionized mineral spring water, soy, aloe vera. Sounds good so far. Paba? I think that's what you how you say that. P-A-B-A. No idea. Keratin, peach kernel oil, essence of beeswax, petroleum, okra extract, fish bone meal. <laughs> Sebum, it says. <laughs> Hydrolyzed albumin. Uh, Jessica says, See, it's all totally natural and wonderful. Jess, that sounds kind of... Oh, don't be squeamish, Jessica protested loftily. It's good for you. So, albumin, that's like egg white, which that's not so weird. Essence of beeswax seems fine. Petroleum is in a lot of beauty products. That's obviously not 
great and natural, but it is a thing. Okra extract just makes me laugh. <laughs> Fishbone meal. I could see that being in a supplement. Sebum, though, is the stuff that you were trying to take out of your skin. Like, that's what clogs your pores, is sebum. Then why do they put it in there? Is it, <laughs> it doesn't make it's, sense. It's, it's like those um, vaccines that carry uh, trace amounts of the, the disease itself. Oh, that's probably what it is. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it makes you like human sebum? <laughs> like, where did you, what, what kind of sebum? Where did you get this sebum? Anyway, let's stop saying the word sebum. Um, so, what's next? Jessica, ha- she has the party. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. She calls Lila. Yeah, Lila comes out of nowhere. I remember, like, trying to flip back through pages to find any context on this girl. Oh, you were thrown off. You didn't know who Lila was. I did well, not you know found who out who was. she was pretty damn quick, didn't you? Because Jessica calls Lila, and Lila shows her true colors instantly. Lila is the rich girl who lives... I don't know where she lives. She lives in the big house up on the hill. This quote, I enjoyed so much when I read it that I read it to my friend at dinner last night. I had my iPad with me and I was like, we were at Shake Shack and I was, I just whipped it out. I was like, I've got to read you this line from Sweet Valley High number 35. Is this is from the Tupperware party? It's from when she's called, so Jessica's calling everybody to invite people to the Tupperware party. Or, sorry. Lila calls it a Tupperware party later. But before, she calls people to invite them to this Tofu Glow party. As, as the girl from the top of the hill would. Yeah, and so... She's calling everybody, and she's being kind of vague. Like, I'm having this party. It's an exciting new thing. And most people are like, okay, who wouldn't want to go to a party at Jessica Wakefield's house? But Lila is like, wait, what are you you getting at here, Jessica? What's the big deal? So she says it's a tofu glow party. Tofu what? Tofu glow is this line of great natural beauty products, and I'm having a party to show it to everyone. There was silence at the other end of the line. Jessica held her breath. Lila? You mean you're selling it? Lila asked finally. Jessica grinned. Lila was obviously surprised. That's right, and I'm gonna make a fortune. There was another pause. When Lila spoke again, her voice was dripping with scorn. You mean you're going to be a salesperson? (laughs) Yeah, what's wrong with that? Oh, it's just... Well, all I can say is I'd never do anything, so... So, déclassé, she finished on a note of smug satisfaction. Narrowing her eyes, Jessica glared at the phone in her hand. Where did Lila get off being so superior, using words like déclassé? I'm sure you never would, Lila. I can see how living off your father's money might make it hard for you to take any kind of initiative. (laughs) She looked across the room. Elizabeth was watching her from the doorway, a shocked expression on her face. Jessica winked at her and gave her a thumbs up sign. Elizabeth's <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you just say? And when I read this to my friend, he was like, so they're not friends anymore after that, right? <laughs> it doesn't even matter. It like makes no dent. And this is how they can talk to each other. How does this all tie in with Heather? Well, Heather calls the Wakefield's house, right? And Jessica's like, you've got to invite her. Elizabeth's like... Ugh, I don't even want to talk to her, let alone invite her to your party. But Jessica, like, begs her. So Heather shows up, and Jessica has the tofu glow party, and it goes pretty well, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, people seem happy with it. Yeah, they're dubious at first, but eventually Jessica's such a good salesperson, and, like, she just sells it. She says it's great, and she makes them a promise. Money back guarantee. Yes. So, I mean, it's it definitely helps her sell her product, 
to give the money back guarantee. Of course, the problem is, then there's a money back guarantee. If she says if they're not completely satisfied, she'll give them their money back. So she was selling people this tofu shampoo primarily. That's the number one. But she tells a girl, a fat girl, that she, the fat girl can take the supplements and she won't have to eat meals. Did you notice that? Somebody named Lois Waller, everybody, who I'm sure will factor into a future book. Poor Lois. Maybe Lois will be an unsung hero in a future book. I hope so. But I don't have a lot of faith in it. <laughs> in the way this universe treats its uh, overweight people. So the party's going great. Heather's there. And she eventually, I guess, leaves. And Elizabeth gets into this conversation with the other girls that's very gossipy, where she tells them about the baby talk. And they all start giggling. And then they all start talking baby talk to each other. And... Elizabeth is really enjoying it at first, you know, like she's so annoyed with Heather. It's like really fun to like be able to laugh at her. But then she watches what she's done sort of like spread through the room and she's like a terrible feeling comes over her. Well, she is she feeling bad because she feels like the these other girls are now doing baby talk and she's converted them unwittingly to something that she never wanted? No, I think she feels like she feels like she has she's being unfair to Heather. Okay. Like she doesn't really even know Heather that well and she's already sort of she's just she just feels bad about talking shit about Heather. Well, guilt guilt. Yeah, she feels guilty, exactly. I don't know. It was I I found that to be very like a delicious moment because mm. she really was being unfair to Heather. And it was like what has Heather ever done to you? Like she's just tried to be nice to you. You think, true. you know, it's, it's, it was a very Jessica move of Elizabeth. Um, maybe that is, it's hard. That's a lot of, uh, to read into it for somebody reading one of these books right. for the first time. But for me, I was like, Elizabeth, you're being so cruel. And then for her to kind of realize but, she was, but cruel. I do agree with you. She has little reason to dislike Heather. For me as a neutral reader, I don't see anything wrong with, yeah. with Heather she or, or like, use, I mean, it, it's almost just, it is a skill of hers to find this way to calm Aaron down. Yeah, like, why isn't Elizabeth more impressed at this point that, like, wow, Heather started talking baby talk to this guy, and he just chilled out, like, right away. This guy who's still mad hours later about a buddy calling a, a, out on him that he didn't think he deserved in a practice. Elizabeth is starting to have the seed of of guilt in mm -hmm. her own mind. Um, so is this one, now we go back to soccer, and she's watching another soccer practice? Is that the moment when she gets the idea that the article needs to go... Well, she's just trying... She So Elizabeth goes to uh, another soccer practice, mm -hmm. and she's there covering it, like, just covering soccer for mm -hmm. the newspaper. Mm -hmm. She's just going to write about the practice. And she has all these thoughts in her head about, like, mm -hmm. watching the various players, and, like, she's like, maybe I just don't know that much about soccer, but they all seem really good. Well, she also just wants to see Jeffrey prancing around. She definitely does. She's uh, watching her man out on the field. Heather is back there, and Elizabeth is like, please don't come talk to me. <laughs> but, and she doesn't. So she's watching this practice. We should say that the reason why everybody's so excited about it is that it really seems like Sweet Valley is going to win the trophy for the first time in ages. They're going to they're going to win the big the big thing. It's it, this is a, a thing that has happened in these other sports books I mentioned too. That finally Sweet Valley this is going to be their year. There's so much energy. It's the talk of the town. But yeah, it's interesting that it's almost like they 
they have zero faith that they could win without Aaron. Yeah, it seems like Aaron is kind of doing everything. Like, he's all over the field. He's making all the important plays. Aaron is the team. He's a, he, he's a box-to-box midfielder and then some. <laughs> there you go. The, the, the book should probably have asked you for some of that language. That might have been good. Although, I guess maybe the little 12-year-old reading the book probably didn't know, wouldn't have known what that meant. Or cared. Or cared. Uh, that being said, uh, Elizabeth... So I think her heart is in that place. Just like everybody, it'll be exciting. People will want to know why is she writing about it and not John Pfeiffer, the sports writer. Who knows? But what happens is that um, what's his, what's the kid's name um, that uh, trips him? Uh, Italian surname with six letters and a four letter first name, but I can't. <laughs> it's like okay. John Tomasi or something. Oh, Tomasi, yeah, Brad. Brad. There okay, we go. Brad Tomasi. So. I don't know that we're going to have a section of this podcast where we talk about boys because there's not a whole lot of like sexy boyness, but there are some boy name drops that are like new boys for the world of Sweet Valley. And Brad Tomasi is one of them. I don't think we've ever heard of Brad Tomasi before. His name was so new to me that it did not like register in my memory as as what his name would have been. What we should set up though is that Elizabeth and Jeffrey already have had a few hard conversations where Elizabeth is like, I don't understand why you keep defending... Aaron, he's being a jerk to everybody. Can't you see it? Like, what if he turns on you? Mm. And Jeffrey is just like, you're being so hard-hearted, you know he's going through something. I can really see where they're both coming from. You know, you have a good friend, you stand by that friend, no matter what they're doing. Like, you understand their perspective. And so Jeffrey's really just trying to get Elizabeth to understand, and vice versa. I actually have this fight scene, or fight scene is not the right word. I have this moment highlighted. Should I read it? Please. All of a sudden, Brad Tomasi cut in from Aaron's left and stole the ball neatly away. Aaron tripped as Brad cut him off, and the team star player sprawled forward onto his hands and knees. He was up again, instantly, racing after Brad. Elizabeth assumed he must be trying to get the ball back, but when Aaron caught up to the other boy, he tackled him. You jerk, he screamed, pummeling Brad's face. You nearly broke my leg back there. There was a stunned pause. The players all looked as though they had been turned to stone. The coach's whistle began to screech and they all surged forward to break up the fight. Jeffrey struggled to hold Aaron off Brad as the others helped the stunned boy to his feet. Let me go, let me go, Aaron continued yelling and he lunged forward, nearly breaking free from Jeffrey's grip. Blood was streaming from Brad's nose. The coach examined him carefully before sending him to the nurse's office with two boys to help him. Finally, he turned slowly to Aaron Dallas, and his voice was icy. I ought to punch you out for that one, Dallas, but I'd be arrested. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that's what the coach says. Um, I'll continue, but we gotta take a pause for a moment to consider that that's what Coach Horner has just said to Aaron. He, He would be arrested. Aaron's chest was heaving and he glared at the coach defiantly. He's a clumsy idiot, he shouted. He deliberately tripped me. Everyone saw him do it. And everyone saw you attack him, the coach retorted, his face becoming as red as Aaron's. There is absolutely no excuse for what you just pulled, Dallas. I'm putting you on notice. One more fight, one more shout out of you, anywhere in this town, and you're off the team. Do I make myself perfectly clear? But you can't do that, Aaron said sullenly, his eyes blazing. The coach's voice dropped then, becoming very low and intense. I will do exactly what I choose, and I do not choose to tolerate that kind of infantile, prima donna behavior on my team. 
you are hereby suspended until Tuesday. And, he added, silencing Aaron's hot protest, if you want to play in Thursday's game, you will enjoy being suspended. So. Sheriff Horner more like it. Yeah, and Elizabeth is there on the sidelines. And think about it. She's just watched a boy, like, I guess, she, I don't know, did he break Brad's nose? Like, he, the, he's, like, punched him right in the mm. face. Like, in, in 2020? This is, like, a serious incident. Am I wrong? Like. And everyone has their smartphone out and is recording it. Yeah, it's like assault basically you know you don't just punch your teammate his teammate for pete's sake so elizabeth is like fuck i can't write a cheery she doesn't she doesn't say think that word exactly but i can't write a cheery piece about how the soccer team looks great i have to write about what aaron just did she has to tell the truth yeah and so she writes this piece for the Oracle and she knows it's going to come out on Monday and like Jeffrey's going to hate it. And Aaron, who has a temper problem, is going to be mad. And it's basically just about the incident. It's like a little news piece. And of course, that's exactly what happens, right? The article comes out and Aaron continues to be the talk of the town, but in a much graver way. Right. But and also like Elizabeth is kind of persona non grata for some people at Sweet Valley High because they're like... We need Aaron to be on the team to win the game. We need to win the game. So your article, like, challenges that? Like, we need... Like, I don't know. They want to support him because he's the he's the star. Which is typical behavior of, of hardcore fans. It actually is. Win at yeah. all costs. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about that probably a little bit in the extra drama episode. There, there are such a soccer fan. many, many examples of this. Um, and Jeffrey is really mad, too. And... And Aaron is like, Elizabeth and I aren't friends anymore. Like, there's just a whole angry thing. God, there's so much to say. I feel like we've been talking for a long time and we still have, like, the climaxes of these stories to get to. Do you want to go back to Tofu Glow or do you want to keep talking about soccer? Whatever you want. I need a break from soccer, man. Tofu Glow. <laughs> Yay! To tofu Glow will uh, ease the pain after you receive a hard tackle yeah. like that one from Aaron Dallas. You just... <laughs> Rub it on your knees and... So do you remember Jessica's... She goes around to the houses mm -hmm. and she makes first few houses. She makes sales. They're all very happy. Yeah. Um, nice California housewives. And then she goes to another one who um, had the audacity to ask, can I try this before I buy it? Right. And that's when everything goes awry. Right, because the lady, like, opens up the jar, and she's like, oh, it doesn't smell very good. It's like hand cream, I think. And Liz Jessica says, oh, gosh, well, um, it the smell goes away after you use it. And the woman tries it, and it's like, she's like, I'm going to go wash this off my hands now. Like, you can see yourself out. Meanwhile, like, there's been a smell coming from Jessica's room that she's been ignoring. And the dog has been all over it. And it comes out that Jessica has not tried any of these products. So things are starting to fall apart. She goes home and she gets a phone call from, I think it's from her best friend, Kara Walker, um, with the shampoo. Mm. And the tofu, in whatever form it is, has gotten stuck in Kara's hair and she has a date that night. Yeah. It's and she can't get it out. A date with Stephen Wakefield, actually. That's Jessica's brother. It doesn't... Jessica Elizabeth's <laughs> older brother, Kara's boyfriend. The book doesn't get into that too much, so that's mostly information for you, Sam. A gladiators. Remember, Kara Walker and Stephen Wakefield are a couple. So, 
Stephen is angry with with Jessica for selling Kara tofu shampoo, and Jessica is like, well, "I'm gonna try this stuff myself." I think Kara must just be being crazy because it is crazy. Like, what? Whoever heard of shampoo not washing out of your hair? But she uses this like cleanser, and it makes her face all red. She uses a shampoo, and it will not come out. She has a date of her own with Neil Fremont. That's that's the one that she's only seeing occasionally. She's like, yeah, the book basically says she doesn't really care about him. But she goes out with him sometimes. Not that night. She'll be staying in. Thank you very much. Yeah, so the products are gross. And also they stink. And everybody wants their money back. She, she gets this flood of calls. Yeah. And when she, so, so then she like calls the company, Tofu Glow, to find out, like, to basically say the products you sent me are gross. They all smell. Like, there's no way they're supposed to smell this bad. And the company says, sorry, bitch. <laughs> you didn't refrigerate. You were You're not liable. To keep it in the refrigerator. And she's like, who ever heard of putting shampoo in the refrigerator? Especially she had boxes and boxes of this stuff. So what was she supposed to do with like how was she gonna fit all that into a fridge? Not Tofu Glow's problem. They're like, you broke it, you bought it. It's it's these uh company secrets yeah yeah then so everybody's mad at jessica she's not gonna be able she's gonna have to return all the money she's made and she's not gonna get a refund from tofu glow and on top of that she has to pay 65 dollars to have the stuff hauled away oh that was that was the best part this is uh dirty dawns this hauling company to take her garbage away and the company is called Dirty Dawn's. It's called Dirty Dawn's Disposal. Reluctantly, Jessica had made the arrangements and given her address. Now the fluorescent orange truck from Dirty Dawn's Disposal was in the driveway, belching out diesel fumes into the already tofu-scented air. The neighborhood dogs circled suspiciously, snarling in alarm, their heads low. (laughs) So Jessica's really gotten herself into a pickle. Even, like, she starts crying. I have a very, I thought this was very relatable for me personally as an anger crier. When Dirty Don shows up and Jessica writes him a check, he's like, no checks. And she starts crying. She's like, that's the last straw. She's like, I don't have any money. Her mom has, like, said, you must get this taken away. Right? Like, you can write a check from my checkbook, but you are paying me back. So, like, the parents have no, her, her father earlier on was very dubious of the whole thing and started looking into it. Which becomes important in the epilogue of the Tofu Glow story, yes. which I guess we might as well tell the listeners. Well, he bails her out in a sense because he finds out that there was a lawsuit. Yeah, like a class against... action suit against Tofu Glow. Yeah. Which makes sense if you think about it. And they're paying out a settlement of $300. So Jessica will actually even have some money left over. To pay off her other loans. Yeah. But her dad's like, Jessica, you need to remember... Bad situations won't always work out like this. Sometimes stuff, you make bad choices, and it stays a problem. And so she says, okay, Daddy, I'll never do a get-rich-quick scheme again. Yeah. Do we believe the gladiators? Do we believe it, Sam? No. (laughs) We do not. But for now, she is chastened, and the Tofu Glow chapter is over. Of her life, I mean. And of the book. So... We can return to the drama already in progress with Aaron Dallas. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. So everybody's mad, but Heather is not mad. Heather, coming out of left field, pun intended, 
like Elizabeth's like, oh God, here she comes. This article is out. What's she going to do? Yeah. And she says, thank you so much for writing this. Maybe, you know, if he gets kicked off the team, that'll be really hard and he'll be really mad. But maybe that will prove to him finally, once and for all, that he has a problem. Because Heather knows he has a problem. Yeah. At this point in time, we've already had um, one of the delightful things that this book offers us, these moments where we've gotten inside Heather's head. This is something that Sweet Valley does, like no other book. <laughs> it just like jumps from perspective to perspective, all the while staying in this third person, uh, omniscient narrator mode. Did you notice that? Yes. Surely. And so Heather, we've, what, do you remember what we saw when we were Heather? Like what our thoughts were? <laughs> That's a weird way to put it. Well, like it's a virtual reality, but you know you what I mean? We didn't get that many thoughts mm -mm. of hers about why she was into Aaron Dallas. No, not like what she saw in him, What really. she found attractive in him. I mean, the, the Aaron Dallas that she describes is not the one that we've been seeing. It's like, he's, they have fun together, and he's funny, and he's kind. Yeah. We don't see that guy. But she basically talks about how she is also embarrassed about the baby talk. But she, when she realized that it worked, mm -hmm. she kept using it because mm -hmm. she needed to calm him down. Okay. And she just really loves him so much. So when Heather goes up to Elizabeth, she is kind of showing her true colors to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth really realizes how wrong she was, how much she misjudged Heather. Mm -hmm. In the same conversation, do you remember what else she finds out about Heather? All those great clothes that Heather's been wearing? She made them herself. She designed them herself and made them herself. So Elizabeth suddenly remembers that, like, oh, Heather said she wanted to go to the Fashion Institute for school. Her interest in fashion isn't, like vanity it's like a genuine interest in uh like passion. art a passion an art form a personal like artistic expression mm. which like duh elizabeth come on <laughs> like cut somebody some slack but or no. cut them some slacks <laughs> good one jeffrey and elizabeth have like come to some agreement that they're they're gonna be okay they make a like jeffrey and elizabeth are mad at each other but then they're, they're it's gonna be all right but then yeah. The two couples, like, cross paths somewhere. And they're worried that this is not going to be a good instance. Yeah, yeah. And when Aaron starts talking shit about Elizabeth to Jeffrey's face, and Jeffrey starts defending her, Aaron flips out, and he, uh, like, punches Jeffrey. As we see on the cover. Yes. Sam is holding up his copy of the book uh, to me. And yes, you are correct. That is That is what we are seeing. Moments before, Aaron punches Jeffrey right in the chin, like in the jaw. Yeah. And then, like instantly, he, Aaron, is like, oh my god, what have I done? And like runs away. Repentance. Yeah. Um, and this is when we get our glimpse into Aaron's mindset. And good psychological detail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. This actually does happen earlier. I'm conflating two different, like, dramatic moments inside Aaron's head, but I'm going to go ahead and read this anyway, because Aaron deserves his moment in the uh, in the internal monologue or whatever. He does. Spotlight. I think it's the most powerful part of the book. What has just happened... Oh, is that Aaron has just read Elizabeth's article about what he did, and he feels very wronged. Damn it, he yells, even. He says he thinks that he... Everybody always blames him for their mistakes... Why do people do this? He wondered in silent anguish. 
cutting him off on purpose, humiliating him in front of the whole school, getting him in trouble, getting divorced. With a racking, painful sob, Aaron began to cry. It all came back to him, the afternoon he had been trying to blot out of his memory. He had come home from school and was surprised to see his father's car in the driveway. Without being told, he had known something was wrong. And then, inside, he had seen his mother and father sitting at the kitchen table, their faces stern and bitter. Your mother has decided to go to New York, his dad had said, and we think all we can do now is get a divorce. I'm sorry, son. His mother had tried to smile at him, he remembered, but it only came out as a sort of crooked grimace. And then she had gone, leaving him with his father and the terrible arguments. His breathing became labored as he realized just how helpless he was. Nothing he could do would make all his problems disappear, make things the way they were before. Sometimes he felt as if he were drowning and there was nothing to hold on to, nothing stable and reliable that he could count on. It's not my fault, he choked out, his throat constricting with hot tears. Everyone makes me so mad. What do they expect from me? It's not my fault. So, that's Aaron. And it is so, I should have like made a content warning for divorce, but <laughs> it's like divorce trauma. Because he really is like, you can kind of understand that feeling of powerlessness. Yeah. And they mentioned earlier in the book that his mom had gone across the country to be with another man. Yeah, and, like, left him and his father alone, and his father is an angry person, too, especially since the divorce, and he, like, won't hear that he has a problem mm -hmm. until he punches Jeffrey, and then he's like, oh, God, if I can do that... I need help. But he echoes the sentiment that he says when he's when, to, in his own mind, like, he see, what he sees what Elizabeth has done is embarrassing him in front of the whole school. Which is, it, it did do, but it's like, he's not willing to own up to the fact that he did something rash. Um, something that he should have gotten in big trouble for. Um, but instead, the coach just says, next time, you're off the team. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing. He's just punched Jeffrey, so he's going to be off the team. He's not going to be able to play in the big soccer game, which I think is like that day. It is that day. So he couldn't wait to punch somebody until the next day. Um, so... This is kind of like the climax of the book, right? Yes. And he and Heather have a big talk. And the big talk with Heather also, I thought, was fascinating. Because this book has a lot of, like, psychology. It does. You know? Here we go again. Sorry, I'm doing a lot of reading, too. But I'm not going to apologize. But there are great passages in this book. Really good passages. No apologies. More passages. We always say, like, I wish I could read the whole book. <laughs> and this one is no different. So Aaron is talking to Heather, who has basically just run after him. I think that's where we are now. You know, he began slowly, speaking as though in a dream. My dad did that to me once. Uh, he means hit him. Like, he just hit Jeffrey. My dad did that to me. He says I'm the most important person in the world to him. But he hit me once. I couldn't believe it. And now I did it too. He sighed heavily and looked at Heather, his eyes full of pain. I know how Jeffrey must feel right now. She took his hand with a tender smile. Maybe this is a good time to try doing something about it. You know, about how you get so mad? What do you mean? <laughs> Maybe you could talk to somebody who knows about these things? Don't you think you could use some help? He winced. 
But I've got you, Heather. You understand. Oh, Aaron, I want to, but I don't. Don't you see? I can't help you all by myself. She felt the sob welling up in her throat and fought to keep it back. I love you, Aaron, and I want to help you, but I think you need more than just me. Oh, come on, Heather, he said, his voice rising again. Her heart beating frantically, Heather shook her head. She stood straight and defiant. Don't yell anymore, Aaron. You've got to stop. He gritted his teeth, and she repeated, You've got to stop! Oh, Heather, he cried, pounding his fist on the car roof. What am I going to do? Why not start with Mrs. Green? That's what guidance counselors are for, right? He made a sour face. But what if my dad finds out? He'll kill me. No, he won't, she said. Your father needs help, too. Don't you see that? They had never talked so openly before, and Heather was afraid. Afraid that their relationship would come crashing down around her if she said everything. But she knew she had to say it. Aaron... Your parents are getting divorced. That's real, and you can't change that. He looked at her silently, only his eyes betraying the anguish he was feeling. So you have to learn to accept it. Live with it. Don't keep bottling all your emotions up inside. That's why you get so mad, I think. Her hands were shaking, and she looked anxiously into his face, hoping to see some sign that he understood what she was saying. Maybe you're right, he whispered hoarsely. Maybe I have been trying to pretend it isn't happening, he admitted. Aaron, it's okay to admit you need help. No one ever said you had to deal with this kind of pain all by yourself. He looked into her eyes. How can you be so nice to me? He wondered out loud. If I were you, I'd hate me for being such a jerk. Mm -hmm. Oh, Aaron, she said tenderly. I love you. They were silent for a moment, feeling the newer, deeper love they shared. Let's go see Mrs. Green, okay? He nodded wearily. But first, why don't we find Jeffrey? Tell him you're going to work this out. And you can tell him you're sorry. He'll never forgive me for hitting him. Of course he will, Aaron. But he shook his head bitterly. I've never forgiven my dad. Chills. Indeed. Man, Aaron. Well, you you just have to admire Heather for making it clear that he can't rely on her for yeah. all of his emotional labor needs. Yeah. It is a lot. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's the idea that, like, you need to talk to somebody. Aaron's idea that his dad is going to be mad at him for seeking help, which I think is relatable. There's him saying, I don't need help because I have you. And she's like, like you just said, I, I can't be everything for you. I can't solve this problem for you alone. Um, then there's the element of, like, I... I'm repeating a cycle of what was done to me. Uh, later on, when Elizabeth and Jeffrey have the same conversation, and Jeffrey's like, oh, God, you know, like, I could never tell Aaron that he needs help, he needs counseling. He pauses and he's like, wait a second. People get counseling all the time, like, for lesser things than Aaron's dealing with. Like, why am I making it such a big deal? Yeah. So this book has a lot of that, like, <laughs> like, get help. If you need help, get help. Yeah, I mean, it's a good message. Yeah. So Aaron and, and Heather go find Jeffrey and Liz, and they have a big scene, and they've all agreed basically separate. Like, the two couples have each had their own little conversation about it. And, you know, it's a happy reunion. Jeffrey's like, you can still play in the game. It'll be okay. We don't have to tell the coach. But Aaron is like, no. He wants to own up to his problems. Yeah, yeah. His, his mistakes. yeah. Also, there's some really surprising, like, surprisingly enlightened talk of, like, the fact that he's so upset about his parents. It's not an excuse, but it's the reason. 
Mm. that he gets like this. And I thought that was an important distinction. It's not an excuse. Like, you can't say, like, we can't excuse that Aaron has punched is punching people. <laughs> yeah. But we can explain it. Anyway, so Aaron goes to talk to Mrs. Green. And I do have to read one little quote from that conversation. Please. Not so much because it was so dramatic, but because it made me laugh out loud. So he's talking to Mrs. Green, and uh, Mrs. Green is the guidance counselor. We haven't seen her much, if, if ever. <laughs> There's a line here that says, It was so easy to let this warm, friendly woman tell him what to do. <laughs> and I think that should be the slogan for this podcast. <laughs> When I tell you what to do, gladiators. Thank you for laughing at that, Sam. So Mrs. Green um, says to Aaron, I agree that you would benefit greatly from talking to somebody, but it doesn't have to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist or any other kind of ist. (laughs) She smiled sympathetically. So don't worry. You could even just talk to plain old me if you want to. But... Mrs. Green, don't I... I mean, he faltered, blushing hotly. Don't you think I have some kind of emotional problem? With a peal of laughter, Mrs. Green (laughs) shook her head. Oh, Aaron, don't look so serious. She paused and spoke gently again. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at you. But to answer your question, yes, you do. (laughs) <laughs> but it's not the end of the world. I want you to understand that. So I'm just like, very idea. He's like, don't I have an emotional problem? And she laughs. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> anyway, but she has a good solution. She calls his dad and the dad's going to come in. He re- She refers them to a different counselor. It's all great. And they also call Coach Horner and Jeffrey and Elizabeth and Heather, like, all agree to meet after the next period and they're going to see what happened with Aaron. And Coach Horner comes out of the office and it's like, oh, God, I'm pretty sure Aaron's kicked off the team. But... They resolve that he can play the game. Of course. He doesn't get into trouble because he... Because that's how these... That's how... Yeah. Books work. And he atoned. It's like he showed that he was going to make a change, so might as well let him play. <laughs> so yet again, the little good sports guy is not, I don't want to say little, but. I think of him as like six foot two. <laughs> oh, I, th- I don't know. You think he's that tall? He looks shorter than Jeffrey in the picture. He does. Yeah. I think of him as a short guy. Yeah. We should Actually, looking at the picture is, now, I mean, you, th- you think they would be that exact with. Uh... No, I do not. <laughs> They could be standing on a hill for all we know. But however tall Aaron is, he is a jock, he is BMOC, and he is not kicked off the soccer team because he can do no wrong, <laughs> even though he's done lots of wrong things in the book. I don't mean to be so hot and cold on Aaron here. It's just like, he probably you, should... I, I sympathize, well, I think I sympathize with all of the characters immensely yeah. in this... Even Jessica! Yeah, I really this... felt for her, the money, the money trauma and the crying and the... Yeah, you feel for everybody. Elizabeth is maybe one of the least sympathetic characters. Uh, in some ways, yes. But I think, I well, I really, as a writer, I really appreciate her digging into the bottom of the matter and doing her duty as a journalist. Excellent. Well, I'm dying to hear you tell me your thoughts on all of the characters. How do you, what did you think of Jeffrey? Have, have we, but have we resolved the story? I don't know. We, I think we kind of did, but without <laughs> actually making it sound like we, we got to a clear end. I mean, they, they win the game. Oh, and, right. We didn't tell you that they win the game. And Aaron, yeah, four to three. 
and he scores goals. But they we needed him. If, they, yeah. if he hadn't been playing, they would not have won. We don't really have any more details than that. Yeah. Um, there, there, was this, there were scenes in here with the uh, the gossip column in the newspaper. I thought that was interesting. Oh my gosh, yes. That's a fun scene to talk about. <laughs> they... So what's happening there is actually a really good payoff of the scene we described before, where Elizabeth is making fun of Heather's baby talk in front of all the other girls at Jessica's party. But she feels guilty about it. So they're at the big game, and the other girls tell Elizabeth, oh, do your impression of Heather Sanford again. Do your impression. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then Heather comes walking up. And Elizabeth is like, oh, God, I feel so bad. Like, she's going to know I made fun of her. And I like her now. I was so wrong. But mm -hmm. Heather totally takes it in stride and starts making fun of Elizabeth by doing, and all the other girls, by doing, like, an impression of Elizabeth's eyes and ears column and the way mm. it's written. Do you want to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Just tell me the page. Okay. All I have to search for is the word pistachio. Her eyes wide with amusement, Elizabeth burst into laughter. Heather was making up a fictitious item from eyes and ears, the gossip column Elizabeth wrote every week for the Oracle. And not only that, but the girl was mimicking Elizabeth's own voice and mannerisms perfectly. As the others caught on, they started giggling too. But Heather didn't stop her imaginative chattering. I hear a certain serious student with the initials P.A. cut English class today, she said glibly, casting a quick, impish look at Penny Ayala. This was greeted with howls of laughter, and Heather continued. Also, this just in, E.R. was seen recently buying seven pints of pistachio ice cream at the Quick Stop Mini Mart. Do her friends know about this shocking addiction? It's not true! G Enid giggled hysterically. I've been framed! Yeah, so so she says something also about about a ferocious and furious fisticuffs followed. <laughs> that was her, her imitation of, of Elizabeth's uh, tone for that column. So anyway, everybody's like, oh, Heather, you're such a good sport. And they were all roasted. And so they all had their comeuppance. Yeah, that's really it. Um, there was, briefly, earlier in the book... Um, we did have, finally, for the first time in several books, a Collins Watch 2020. Collins Watch? Collins Watch. Elizabeth goes to talk to her teacher, Mr. Collins, about whether or not she, like, made the right call putting this piece in the Oracle about Aaron Dallas. There was silence as Mr. Collins regarded her thoughtfully. He leaned back in his chair and toyed with a pencil. Liz, why did you join the newspaper staff? Because I wanted to write, she said simply. What was it you wanted to write about? She thought a moment. The world, I guess, as I see it. And this article, Roger Collins continued, nudging the paper with his pencil. Is this as you saw it? Yes, Elizabeth stated firmly. He chuckled. Liz, why are we having this conversation? His eyes twinkled again, and Elizabeth grinned. Maybe I needed a little positive reinforcement from an authority figure. Oh, please, never call me that. She laughed. Going to Mr. Collins was always the right thing to do. No matter what her dilemma, he was always helpful. And he usually helped her by making her figure out the answer herself. Okay, she turned to go and looked back. Thanks. He winked. Anytime, Liz. <laughs> so it's not the most uh, sexualized Mr. Collins has ever been, but I did like the winking and this. I, I, there was a lot of eye sparkling. 
Um, and good old Mr. Collins, though, he never really crosses the line. He's just sexy. Just gives <laughs> some good, sexy advice. Uh, so, yeah, Collins Watch 2020. It's 2020 now, you guys. It is. It's a new decade, <laughs> which means more Sweet Valley High. Yes. Uh, so, Sam, I must ask you, at this point in the podcast, an important question I ask all of my guests, and the question is, are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Elizabeth. <laughs> that is the fastest anyone has ever answered that question. Um, and I, you didn't, I don't think you blinked. <laughs> and you didn't know the question was coming. I didn't know the question was coming. Usually what people do is they go like... Well, you know, I think I'm going to have to say that I'm kind of an Elizabeth. Maybe it was more with Jessica when I was younger. Um, but yeah, you're an Elizabeth. I mean, I, my skepticism of multi-level marketing <laughs> um, make, makes that easy. My identification with investigative journalism. Yeah. Are you, uh, do, or were there any other characters in the book that you related to even more strongly than Elizabeth? Um, I mean, maybe Heather, because of the way that she stands by mm, okay. and and provides emotional support in a healthy way. So the fact that you are a blonde Oregonian soccer fan did not cause you to feel any affinity with Jeffrey French? Ah. Uh. I don't know. I mean, I feel like this book is very much centered on the emotions of the female characters, so it's easy to easier to that's true. You identify know, with that. I don't know if we really get a moment inside Jeffrey's perspective. Actually, we were ta- I was talking about that. Earlier. No, it's it's very female gazy. Mm-hmm. The whole but we get Aaron. Briefly. We do get Aaron, but at the yeah. end, that's partly what makes it interesting. Is that yeah. you. It, it comes as a surprise, almost as if you're waiting to understand the whole book. Like, let's have this guy talk, talk yeah. out loud. And then he finally does. He finally... Well, before we close up this episode, we should do a little bit of business, which is planting the seed. We have not talked at all about the next book, but it does come up a couple of times. Another character, sorry, gladiators, but it's more randos. Um, I recently referred to this on Twitter as the parade of randos uh, that we're currently in, (laughs) in the Sweet Valley Diaries, people who we've never heard of before getting their very own book. And in this case, the character in question is a girl named... Johanna Porter. Yes. And I'm going to say Joanna, but you can say Johanna. Nobody really knows. Oh, I, I, this is bad. So, Joanna Porter, um, dropped out of high school, we learned last year. And, uh, at the end of the book, Jessica and Elizabeth, Jessica's, like, healed from her problem. You know, she got bailed out by the, by the class action lawsuit that her father was nice enough to research. Um, so she says, remember how Julie Porter's sister dropped out of school last year? Yeah. Elizabeth saw Jeffrey give her a puzzled look. He hadn't lived there when Joanna Porter still had gone to Sweet Valley High. He probably didn't even know Julie had an older sister. Well, she's coming back. Can you believe it? Jessica reached for an apple and bit into it. I mean, honestly, the girl drops out because she fails almost every single class, and she's coming back? Give me a break. Maybe she had a lot of problems or something, Heather suggested, and she wants to try again. No way. 
She was just too dumb. Everyone knew about it. It was pretty embarrassing. So I had to laugh. I was so cruel, but I had to laugh. She was just too dumb. Like, Jessica is so sure. Oh, poor Joanna's got a lot to come up against. But will Joanna be able to succeed when she returns to school? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 36, Last Chance, available in May 1987. Thank you so much. Um, we'll talk a little bit more on extra drama. Maybe I'll let you talk in that one a little <laughs> bit. And uh, thank you for being here. Um, gladiators, thank you so much for listening. Follow Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram and tell a friend about the podcast. I so appreciate you and your listening and sticking with us through the parade of randos. If you want to send me an email, I'm sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. And uh, tune in next week for extra drama. And thanks again to Sam. Thank you. (laughs) Sam nods silently to the microphone. (laughs) You'll figure it out eventually, Sam. I like visual cues. (laughs) (laughs) All right, talk some more. Good afternoon. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited to do some hardcore literary analysis.